What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast coming to you on July 4th, 2022. I'm your host, J.F. Haji. Happy 4th of July, if you celebrate that. Happy Kevin Durant signs with the Warriors Day, if you celebrate that. And if you don't celebrate those two, I hope you celebrate happy Seth Curry signed with the Mavericks for the first time day. Because on this day in 2016, while most people remember that as the day that Kevin Durant signed with the Warriors, it is also the day that the Mavericks signed Seth Curry. And that was a great day for the Mavericks because I think Seth became one of our favorite Mavs uh, through his two stints here in Dallas, and we miss him every day. So shout out Seth Curry. Hope to see you back in a Mavs uniform for a third time very soon. But it's been... It's been, a, I think, a slow offseason for, for the NBA. I mean, uh, we, we kind of had a sense of how things were going in the days leading up to free agency. And on, on June 30th in the evening, you know, a lot of deals started flying. But earlier in the day, of course, Kevin Durant's trade request became public. And it's kind of uh, slowed down the offseason where most teams, are, including the Mavericks, are really waiting to see what happens on that front before they make further moves. Uh, but obviously, uh, this past weekend, the Mavericks officially lost Jalen Brunson uh, to the New York Knicks, uh, but they also signed JaVale McGee to a three-year contract, and we'll get into that here in just a second. And JaVale McGee is returning to Dallas. He played for one season here in the 2015-16 season. Um, obviously, a much different player now, and so I think he brings a, a new element to this team uh, as a veteran and former NBA champion. So um, yeah, we'll talk about that. Like I said, I'm joined here again by Tyler Adams. How are you, man? Doing well on this uh, July 4th, or as you said, Seth Curry signing day, or, um, you know, Kevin Durant signing day, whatever you want to celebrate it as. Yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking that maybe we'd get a Kevin Durant related news today but um it appears that is not the case and i'm not really sure when that's going to happen and unfortunately for us mavs fans it really does feel like the next move that the mavs make will only come around the, the time the kevin durant situation is resolved yeah i agree i think that you know well it's probably a one in a million chance the mavericks do land katie i think that we're really going to be the ripple effect we're going to be one of the teams that's going to be uh, part of the ripple effect, whether that's trading with the team who fails to land Kevin Durant, like let's say the Raptors or something, or what I think is going to happen. I think the Jazz are going to be part of the Kevin Durant trade, not acquiring him, but facilitating things as a third or fourth team in the deal. And I think as a part of that, the Mavericks are going to come away with, with a Boyan Bogdanovich and potentially Mike Conley. So we'll see what happens, but um. You know, I think the whole NBA is kind of in wait and see mode. Like the NBA is basically shut down right now. I haven't personally seen it shut down like this since 2014 when LeBron was, mm -hmm. you know, waiting on making his decision when he ultimately re decided to return to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, it definitely reminds me of 2014 with LeBron or even 2010 with LeBron, uh, where free agency was basically at a standstill until um, he made his decision. And, and obviously, Kevin Durant is that level of player. So it, it only does make sense that guys, um, players, agents, teams are waiting until the situation 
uh, reaches some sort of conclusion before they start, uh, you know, making the rest of their transactions. And so we'll wait and see. I mean, I think as Mavs fans, we're obviously pretty familiar with them waiting on certain transactions. Um, and hopefully this time they won't get burned. But I do think that because so much of the league is waiting for it, that uh, the Mavericks will be in good shape when the aftermath occurs, whether they are a facilitator in the trade or in the extremely rare scenario in which they land Kevin Durant. So we'll see. Um, and it's anyone's guess as to when that's going to happen. But I do want to talk about Jalen Brunson's exit to the Knicks quickly because uh, that's been a pretty big topic here on Mavs Twitter. And so um, I think you and I kind of had a hunch uh, probably a week before free agency officially started that, that Brunson was gone uh, to the Knicks. And, you know, we found out later on for a variety of reasons that, uh, you know, the Knicks were at the top of his list. They of course were offering more money than the Mavericks did. I think the contract with the Knicks ended up being uh, for around 27 million annually, whereas the Mavs were only offering around 22 annually, uh, of course, with the fifth year on that contract. Uh, but it did seem like with Brunson's ties uh, to the Knicks organization, I mean, he was a Knicks fan growing up as a kid. Now his dad is an assistant coach there. His Bonafide godfather Leon Rose is the, you know, general manager there. It just seemed predestined. And I don't know if the Mavericks really ever did have a shot to retain him. Yeah, so there's so many moving parts when it comes to this topic, and everybody has so many different opinions on it. Uh, as you said, you know, I had more than a hunch, I would say. I, you know, uh, I, I did have people that are, you know, around the Mavericks, I think a week and a half ahead of free agency, a couple of days before the draft, they said that he was gone, which I was pretty shocked considering Jake Fisher was reporting that he was coming back. But the people that told me that have never been wrong in the past and they were right once again. So uh, I was lucky I was prepared, but uh, it still sucks to see him go. From my understanding, Nico Harrison had a number in mind, $22 million a year. He wasn't willing to go over that. Additionally, he also uh, was not willing to hire Rick Brunson as an, as an assistant coach, which he had pushed for when Jason Kidd was hired as head coach. And uh, he pushed for in the past whenever, you know, Rick Carlisle was the coach of the Mavericks. And that was a decision that Mark Cuban and Donnie Nelson made. If you look at Rick Brunson's past, uh, while he obviously was, you know, had a uh, career in the NBA and he's had a career coaching in the NBA, he has been accused of, uh, you know, things really related to sexual harassment or assault stemming in 2014. There was an incident at a lifetime. And then in 2018, when he was with the Wolves, he was accused of soliciting things from people with the team and who were working around the team, such as media members and were women. So I think given everything that was happening with the Mavericks and has happened and everything else, the Mavericks were never going to hire him. And then, you know, we've seen the reports that he was offered a four-year $55 million contract or not offered, but that was on the table and the Mavericks never offered it when they should have. So I will say, uh, I think last summer they probably should have offered it, even though he had a pretty putrid playoff series against the Clippers the Mavericks obviously did not offer that they should have 
but then from my perspective and some of the reporting that has been done has said that uh, before the season, you know, Rick Brunson kind of, you know, went away from that because even though uh, Leon Rose's son is Jalen Brunson's agent officially, he was kind of leading the negotiations. And then, you know, as we look closer to the deadline, I don't think the Mavericks even tried to re-sign him because uh, from my perspective, and I think uh, this was on the radio the other day by Jeff Skinwade, but the Mavericks were actually actively shopping him at the deadline. There was some reporting that from the Detroit side that the Mavericks offered him for Cade Cunningham at the deadline. I don't know what happened, and that seems like a pretty far-fetched deal to trade a second round pick on the fourth year of his contract with no restricted free agency rights for the number one overall pick and probably a future top 10 player. So obviously I don't know what I make of that. What I do make of it is the Mavericks messed up, but also this is the second time in Nico Harrison's tenure as GM where he's kind of made his imprint on the team. The first time being trading KP and this time, you know, he had a number in mind for, Brunson and he was not going to exceed that and you know whether you want to say he didn't give the Mavericks the opportunity to go back to the negotiating table account for the cap going up what have you the reality is the Mavericks made the decision not to pay him we'll see if it pays off or we'll see what kind of backup plan they have Um, I will say based on the reporting and based on the way things have gone down it seems pretty obvious since last October that Brunson has done everything he could to be a Nick. So if that's the decision that he made and that's what he wants to do, all the power to him, he's from the area. He can be the number one option there. Tom Thibodeau, as I've said before, has a great history of unlocking point guards, if you will. Maybe he'll make him a better player. I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, for, for a guy of his caliber and with his, resume as a winner at every level you know we'll see if he can bring that winning culture to new york but the mavericks and the nba as you saw there there's so many different angles you know with the story and uh, for once i think more than mavs fans are just watching i think there's a lot of people across the nba who are watching with different opinions Zach Lowe had one that said you know why are you paying the 17th best point guard in the nba 27 million a year so We'll see. I don't know. What do you think on it, Jay? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly a gamble. And I think, um, you know, there are pretty diverse viewpoints on this. I mean, one school of thought is like what you said or or what Zach Lowe said that, you know, Jalen Brunson, to an extent, is a replaceable player. And why would you pay a premium for that um, when that, that those resources could be allocated elsewhere? Uh, you know, obviously the Mavericks don't have cap space, so they'd have to get more creative to replace him, but it's not impossible, like a lot of people might suggest. Uh, and then there's the other school of thought where it's like, you know, and from an asset management perspective, you give the guy uh, whatever it takes to retain him, and you can always move him later on in a bigger deal uh, because Brunson is a guy that is never going to be producing well below his contract value, even if he's objectively overpaid. Uh, and so, you know, he's consistent and he fit well with Luca. Uh, those two, you know, facts are um, undeniable. Uh, but I think that the Mavericks should only be judged, I think, based on what they end up doing with the rest of this offseason. I mean, 
you know, it, I don't know if they'll be able to get a, a star player or a star level player or someone who can, you know, fit the, the timeline that Brunson did. I think that was one of his biggest uh, attributes or assets was that he was only 25 years old. And so uh, this roster is not young, despite what the Mavericks like to tell us. Uh, Luca's obviously 23, uh, but the rest of the roster is is in their late 20s for the most part or early 30s. So having a guy like Brunson only 25 years old was definitely a plus. But at the same time, like, I don't think this is the end of the world for them to lose him. But of course, they need to be able to get creative and um, find a move that they like here in the next you know, couple of months before the season starts. Uh, to shore up either, either the wing um, or the two guard position and give Luca another starter that has the opportunity to play off of him and, and, you know, take some possessions and give Luca a breather from time to time. Because if they don't, I feel like the Mavericks are going to be back in the place uh, that they were a couple of seasons ago where they were struggling for shot creation outside of Luca, and it ends up coming to bite them in the postseason. Of course, they got Spencer Dinwiddie now, who I think is – um, you know, in, in good position to have a strong season next year. Uh, he had a good good run with the Mavericks in the second half of this past season and in the playoffs. And I think that with the full offseason um, of full health, he's going to come into camp ready to contribute immediately. And let's not get it twisted. I think, you know, them losing Brunson the way they did sucks. It sucks that they couldn't get anything out of him. It sucks that they couldn't do a sign-in trade. It sucks that their second-best asset they – lost for nothing and you know it's not good that you know he had such a great first round against Utah and he was part of the number one scoring duo in the playoffs which is really impressive when you think about it but the reality is you know Nico drew his line in the sand and said this is the price I'm willing to pay for Brunson I'm not going to go over that and you know like it or not he stuck to it and then, like you said, I mean, Dinwiddie, when he traded for him, a lot of people were speculating, is this a backup plan at the time? It probably was. Were we willing to admit it? Probably not. I mean, because the, the uh, I guess the prevailing thought throughout Mavericks fans was like Cuban was going to pay whatever and the Mavericks were going to pay whatever. But obviously the Mavericks didn't have that opinion of Jalen Brunson that we did. And Dinwiddie was, you know, he was great in the second half in the regular season. He was horrendous in the first round against Utah. He rebounded very nicely against Phoenix and Golden State. But uh, like you said, I think a full season of health and a training camp and stop me before if you've heard this before with KP, uh, with with Dinwiddie is going to be very helpful for the Mavericks. I just think that, uh, you know, if you look at what Brunson's contract was and what the Mavericks were willing to pay, I mean, it would have limited their flexibility if, you know, he's not a 30 million per year guy, which is what he would have probably had to get with the Mavericks to stay. I think that regardless of what Chris Haynes and Woj's CAA reporting is that they don't want to get tampering for the Knicks. I think that he wouldn't have signed in Dallas unless it was five years, 150 million, which for a guy that's never going to be an all-star and is a fringe top 15 point guard in the NBA, that's, that's a tough pill to swallow. And I know the Mavericks are, you know, like we said, we don't, they don't have any cap space losing him or signing him. Uh, the contract is obviously there. They didn't get anything for him, but regardless, it's a tough pill to swallow. So I would say uh, my opinion is it sucks that he's gone, but Hey, at the end of the day, 
you know, Nico drew his line in the sand. And if this is the decision that he made, uh, I, you know, I stand by that and I respect it. But like you said, we need to see what's next because right now a lot of people are not in a good place. <laughs> yeah. Mavs Twitter isn't in a good place. And I have some thoughts on that, that maybe I'll share here in a second, but um, yeah, I mean, based on the reporting that's come out and it's obviously clear that both Brunson's side and the Mavs side are trying to win the the PR battle in this case, but uh, at least on the Mavs side, the reporting that's come out seems to suggest that, you know, they may not have valued Brunson as highly as maybe some fans would have wanted them to, or that we thought that they did. I think only time will tell. And and who knows, we may never actually know, uh, you know, what, what the Mavericks thinking truly was or what Brunson's thinking truly was uh, with regards to returning to the Mavs. I think going to the next. I, I, I would say on that, you know, we're going to see a September article from Brad Townsend or Tim Cato or, Tim McMahon on the details of him leaving Dallas. And I think we're going to get two stories. We're going to get the New York version where, you know, the Mavericks didn't treat Brunson the way he should have been treated. Carlisle was mean to him. They wouldn't hire his dad as assistant coach. Mark Cuban didn't love him the way he loves you. Luca, yada, yada, yada. And then you're going to see the Dallas version that is probably 80% facts, but is 20%. Uh, total bullshit, if you will, probably fed in by Cuban. I don't think that Cato would do that. Um, Townsend and McMahon, probably arguable. But, uh, you know, there's probably going to be elements of the story that are just fed in. But I would say we're not going to have as close to 100% total picture until September. But that's usually how it goes. We're going to get a article during training camp or ahead of training camp about you know this is what the Knicks saw this is what the Mavs saw Brunson's gonna say I'm looking forward to being here kids probably gonna say I'm not talking about you know who's not on our roster so we'll see yeah no it absolutely sounds like a September article when things are kind of slow before training camp Um, definitely prime time for those sorts of, of pieces so I fully expect that. We've seen it in the past with like Chandler Parsons and things like that. So no doubt. Um, but yeah, I mean, both sides are going to try and spin it to make themselves look favorable. Uh, I think, again, I have to reiterate that the Mavericks should be judged on this based by how they how they recover from it. Um, and clearly, this seems like it was part of the plan. I mean, I know like fan, fans don't enjoy hearing about the Mavericks plans, but I mean, I, I don't think that this was a case of them cheaping out and just uh, saying like, yeah, we want to save money um, and, and not, and not pay Brunson. I think it was more of a case of, we feel like there's a better fit for our team out there. Now, whether they're right or not, only time is going to tell on that. And um Hopefully they are right because, you know, I think we've been burned too many times where the Mavericks say that they have a plan and then don't end up uh, executing on it or say like, oh, yeah, you know, we were banking on this thing happening, but it didn't. So our plan was was uh, was shot. That can't happen in this case, because I think like losing Brunson and not getting a similar replacement uh, would count as a step back for the Mavericks. And I don't think they can afford to take a step back this season uh, without their pick and I mean and this is a team that that wants to get into true contention so yeah I maybe I'm in denial but I don't think the Mavericks are satisfied with losing Brunson for the sole purpose of saving tax dollars I just don't think that's the case but at the same time I also don't see any moves 
on the horizon just yet that they can make to get this team better. But uh, I have faith in Nico, and I do think that after the season the Mavericks just had, uh, when when they changed the culture, and you know we saw the immediate results of that, I think they do deserve a little bit of patience uh, before we rush to judgment um, and rush to conclusions as to what they tried to do this offseason. And it's a wings league as well. Like I said on the last podcast, I mean, you look at the NBA, unless you're Steph Curry and you're a guard, I mean, you're going to impact the game at a much higher clip as a wing than you are as a guard. So while it does suck that Brunson walked, I think the Mavericks looked at prioritizing the wing and they saw that as their biggest gap after the playoff performance. So, you know, if that's what they chose, that's what they chose. Also, I know that Jalen Brunson doesn't have the injury history that KP had and everything else, but they probably didn't want to box themselves into a situation where they're sitting there with a contract that they can only trade for two bad contracts. And also, you know, I, I want to say this for a second. I saw a bunch of bullshit on Twitter the last couple of days where they said, oh, everybody said that Rudy Gobert's contract is untradeable and look what the Wolves traded for him. Like, first of all, if you ever said that on Twitter, you have heavily disrespect Rudy Gobert as a player. You probably think he's, you know, on like Eric Dampier's level or something. Like the guy is a three-time defensive player of the year, probably should have been four, easily the best defender in the NBA, a terrific rebounder. Yes, he cannot catch a basketball, but, you know, from a defensive standpoint, he really puts a stamp on the game and he's somebody that, you know, you can stick around – two or three bad defenders in your starting lineup and you're not going to notice the glaring flaws until the playoffs, it seems like, which is really incredible. And, you know, with and, them and even, putting him... And even at, then, I think, like, with, with Gobert, like, just quick thought on that. Like, I mean, yes, he, he did struggle in the playoffs and with the Jazz, but I think a lot of that has to do with just how poor that the Jazz perimeter defense is. Um, you know, it puts so much of the defensive burden on him. But yeah, I mean, Rudy Gobert by no means is a negative asset. And if anyone thought that, I, I don't think that they actually watch basketball. So Yeah, and the reason I say that is because people were like, oh, well, you know, if the Mavericks paid Brunson $30 million a year, then they could trade him the same way that the Jazz were able to trade Rudy Gobert. I mean, the, the impact that Rudy Gobert has from a defensive standpoint, he's going to hide Carl Anthony Towns' weaknesses as a defender. He's going to hide Anthony Edwards' weaknesses as a defender if they keep D'Lo which it seems like they're not based on every Wolves fan I've talked to and what I've seen but if they do keep him he's gonna look a lot better as a defender and you know Jalen Brunson he's a terrific player but by no means is he Rudy Gobert and if you do if they did pay him 30 million dollars a year over the next five years that's a tough contract to trade and the Mavericks really box themselves into the same thing that people have been ragging on them for doing. It's like, oh, the Mavericks, they're the same team year in and year out. Well, okay, if you pay Jalen Brunson $30 million a year, guess what? You're essentially guaranteeing that you guys are going to be the same team minus maybe a minor upgrade and the mid-level exception through free agency year in and year out because I can guarantee you no team is lining up for a near-max guard who, as Zach Lowe said, is the 17th best point guard in the NBA. When it's a wing-driven league, the Clippers are scary because they have wings. The Nets were scary because they had, you know, one of the greatest wings ever in Kevin Durant. And the Celtics went to the finals on 
the shoulders of two terrific wings and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And unless you're the Warriors where you have Steph Curry just shooting lights out from everywhere and a great wing like Andrew Wiggins, you know, it's a wing driven league. And I would be very hesitant as well to pay somebody like Jalen Brunson, the amount of money that the Mavericks did not. And yes, I know there's no backup plan. Yes. I know that they didn't get anything back for him, but uh, you know, I, I do sit here and I applaud Nico for taking the risk because we were all wrong in February. So um, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt this time. Yeah, I want to give Nico the benefit of the doubt too, because up to this point, I think Nico has surpassed all of our expectations as to what he would do. And 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 let's be real, in the words of Donald Trump, like he inherited a mess. And so it's not going to be an easy thing to get out of. It's not going to be a one-year project for uh, for them to get out of. But uh, this is just all part of the process. And I think by next offseason, we'll be in a much better place assets wise because, you know, we'll be able to trade our picks again and, and et cetera. Uh, and so I think it, it's tough as a sports fan to be told to be patient. But in this case, I think patience is necessary and it's not even long-term patience i think it's just literally like you know can we be patient until august right because that's when things will probably start opening up and you know i think it's we've talked about brunson enough uh, at this point i mean we're gonna miss brunson's consistency uh you know we lost him for nothing and that sucks but it's not the end of the world and it's not the end of the offseason either uh the Mavericks signed javel mcgee on thursday evening uh, to a three-year contract using their taxpayer mid-level exception. Uh, it's unclear at this point as to what the exact amount of the contract is, but from uh, from reporting and, and, and a few people who have uh, talked to us, it seems like they signed him for the full taxpayer mid-level exception, uh, which comes out to around $20 million. So, you know, JaVale McGee is going to be making around uh, six and two-thirds million uh, annually on this contract. So, uh, you know, it also did come out after the signing that he told Tim McMahon of ESPN that he expected to be the starting center uh, for the Mavericks. And I believe that Tim McMahon confirmed that with sources uh, in the Mavs. So uh, that was an interesting piece of news to read, uh, considering that the Mavericks traded for Christian Wood a couple of weeks ago. Um, and so just want to get your thoughts on, on JaVale McGee, how he fits um, and, and what this might look like with Wood and McGee in the lineup. On the surface, it's a very perplexing signing. He was played off of the floor in the Maverick Sun series. Bismack Biombo, who was out of the NBA and signed by the Suns during the season, played over him the last few games in the Bad Sun series. Nico Harrison told fans that they were going to use the mid-level exception on a wing, and they threw the mid-level exception on a center after trading for a center. It was a couple weeks prior getting Christian Wood. So, yeah, it was a very perplexing move. It's also very perplexing when you realize that's the biggest contract that JaVel McGee had gotten since 2012. But I think it goes back to patience, what you said earlier. They wouldn't have made that move unless they had a trade lined up in August or whenever the Kevin Durant situation figures itself out. He was coached by Jason Kidd in Los Angeles when Kidd was a defensive coordinator for the championship winning Lakers. I mean, as a role man, he's a pretty tantalizing player who can play next to Luca, give you 15, 20 minutes a game. He can't play too much because he does have asthma. So we'll see, you know, how the Mavericks use him. 
I think at worst you can roll him out there as a roll man for Luca. I don't know how much he can give you now defensively, uh, given his age and where the NBA is kind of going in terms of three point shooting. I don't think he's from when I've watched him and let the advanced analytics say he's not a great switching big. So I think the Mavericks are strictly going to use him as a points per possession weapon uh, with just pick and roll with Luca. But uh, yeah, on the surface, it was a very perplexing move. I understand the logic if they trade Pal or trade Pal plus Maxi, then you know it makes sense. But I don't know what the Tim McMahon quote means. I know that Tim McMahon and Joel McGee didn't have the greatest relationship when he was here as a Mavs, so I'm very confused. He gave that exclusive quote to Tim McMahon, like maybe he was fucking with them. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, I. You know, um, I would say that Christian Wood is a four. If he's your four on defense, it's gonna not going to be good. But maybe they're trying to cover up his defensive weakness on the interior. But, uh, yeah, on the surface, if nothing else happens, I would say, why did you give your mid-level exception to another center? Like, did you guys not learn last year having five or six centers coming into camp is not the way to do things, but – once again, I'll give Nico the benefit of the doubt. I'll let things play out. I know a lot of people, you know, want to take the stance of, you know, it doesn't make any sense and uh, why did the Mavericks do this? I, I agree with you. I just say I agree with you, but let's wait like 30 days, 45 days and see what happens. If he comes in the training camp as like the fifth center, I'm going to be with you and say, why did we do this? It is 2022. It is not 2012. This makes no sense. But I, I think that Nico has a plan. So, Yeah, I mean, that was my first thought when the signing was announced, too, even before we found out about him expecting to be the starter. Like, my first thought was, yeah, they got another move in the pipeline because otherwise this doesn't make sense, right? Like, they already have Maxi, They have Powell. Um, they, who else did they? They got Christian Wood, of course, right? And when when they traded for Christian Wood, I think most of us expected him to be the starting five next year, uh, despite his defensive limitations. Um, but JaVale McGee um, is a rim-running big, which obviously we need. Uh, but we thought we got one um, with Christian Wood, and we had one with Dwight Powell. So uh, I think most of us thought that Powell, Maxie, and Wood was going to be the, the big rotation. And you get shooting and rim-running with Wood. You get shooting with Maxie, and you get rim-running with Powell, Right. But then this JaVale McGee signing comes out of the blue. And when I saw the, the, the quote that he texted Tim McMahon about expecting to be the starting center, I thought that maybe this was just something that the Mavericks told him to uh, you know, push their offer over the, the top and get him to sign. Uh, because outside of his basketball skill set, I mean, he is a three-time NBA champion, twice with the Warriors, once with the Lakers in the bubble. Uh, so he has been on a lot of winning teams. He has experience winning championships, whether or not he was a huge contributor to those playoff runs or not, that that can be determined because obviously, as we saw in the Mavs Sun series this past year, he got played off the floor. Uh, he's 34 years old, so he's not young either. I think his athletic decline may be imminent. Um, and of course he's got asthma. So that limits the amount of minutes he can play in a game. Uh, but again, I don't think the Mavericks signed him necessarily to be playing huge minutes for them. Uh, but the quote about him being the starting center was interesting. And so I don't know. I mean, you know, it could be one of those situations where 
they tried the starting lineup out for the first like 20 games of the season, understand that it probably doesn't work that well, and then eventually just move to a one big lineup uh, where they have Christian Wood at the five, assuming he's still on the team, um, you know, at the start of the season. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, Jason Kidd comes from a team with the Lakers that played two bigs with Anthony Davis and Dwight Howard. So he, and even last year too, um, Christoph Porzingis and Dwight Powell were the starting uh, front court for pretty much the entire season until KP got traded. So uh, the Mavericks do have a history of doing that. And maybe this could just be something that they do in the regular season to, uh, to prevent Christian Wood uh, from wearing down as quickly uh, as he might be if he, if he plays the five, right? Because I mean, uh, as the starting big, you know, you're banging knees with guys down low. Uh, you're taking a lot of hits on rebounds and things like that. And, and I mean, you know, for for players, it, it, it definitely wears them down. And I mean, Christian Wood, I wouldn't say he's injury prone, but I think he does have the history of uh, sustaining injuries that do keep him out for extended stretches of time. And, and the Mavericks may be trying to avoid that with him. Uh, but it is perplexing and will be even more confusing if they don't make another move for a wing or a guard uh, and move one of their bigs on the roster, whether it's Powell or Maxi, um, or in maybe an unforeseen case, Christian Wood, you know, once he's eligible to be aggregated with other players um, after August 23rd. So that's something to watch out for. Yeah, I would say that I don't know if you ever played the old NCAA football video games and thank goodness they're coming back next year. Uh, I would say with Javel McGee, it sounds like, uh, I don't know if anybody ever did the recruiting. I'm sure you did. If you did recruiting in that game, you could promise a player a starting role or playing time and have a better chance of landing the recruit. And that's like almost what it sounds like with Javel McGee. It was between us and the Bucks. The Bucks had Brooke Lopez at center. Brooke Lopez obviously is the starter there. He has been, he's a big part of their scheme. So I guess the Mavericks offered a starting center position, or like I said, well, me is just fucking with Tim McMahon. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past JaVale McGee to, to mess with a reporter like that, but um, I don't know if, if team sources confirm that, then, then maybe it is true. But uh, I definitely think that that was kind of the situation where they, they promised him something to better their chances of landing him. And obviously it worked. They got their guy. And now it remains to be seen how they, uh, how they shape this roster in the aftermath. Uh, you know, again, I think with JaVale McGee being the the multi-time NBA champion that he is, that he brings a valuable set of intangibles to the team, uh, along with providing them skills like being a rim protector and, and a lob threat uh, that they previously didn't have. But at the age of 34, I mean, it is one of the more confusing signings that we've seen. So uh, let's see what the Mavericks do. But um, I think also his status as like a Team USA guy might come come in handy too. I mean, JaVale seems to have been well-liked by all his teammates, whether it was in Phoenix or in, in Golden State or the Lakers. So, I mean, I think that definitely helps and he'll be a great vibes guy for the team next year. Uh, but of course, vibes can, will only carry you so far as we've seen uh, here with the Mavericks. But um, yeah, that's really all I got to say about uh, the JaVale McGee acquisition. Yeah, that's uh, how I feel as well. I think that it's too early to grade it. Once we have the trade that's most likely going to happen in August, I think we can grade it. But until then, it's kind of uh, grade pending. Yep, 
great pending. And I think that applies to the Mavs offseason at large. And I know that, you know, things move so quickly in the league these days uh, that we expect transactions to happen very quickly within that first uh, 48 hours of free agency opening. But obviously due to the Kevin Durant related circumstances this year, that's going to uh, be prolonged. So I think we need to manage our own expectations as to when the Mavs uh, will make this move, assuming that they do make a move. Um, and I know a lot of people are saying, well, last year the Mavs carried five centers in the training camp. Uh, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that they do it again. But I just think that when you have such a pressing need for a wing and you don't sign one using the taxpayer mid-level exception, I, that that has to just mean that uh, you have a, you plan to acquire one another way. And so I want to talk about that quickly. Um, you know, obviously our guy Skin uh, was on the radio last week and, and mentioned that uh, the Mavericks signing JaVale McGee likely means that that Dwight Powell is expendable and that he's probably not going to be on the team next year. Um, and I think that Dwight Powell being an expiring contract probably helps this case to be traded um, in ways that may not have been there in the past. Um, so I'm just trying to think now. I mean, I know you mentioned Boyan Bogdanovich as a possible target. I mean, how do you think he would fit uh, with this team? And do you think that production-wise they could at least get uh, a similar level of consistency um, and output as they, as they got with Brunson? Yeah, I think uh, I think the thinking with acquiring him would be that obviously it's no secret that he would be a, a liability from a defensive standpoint. Not that Brunson was a great defender by any stretch. I think Bogdanovich is a terrific shooter. He's a probably third or fourth creator on your starting offense. He. Uh, I don't know in terms of scoring output how he would replace Brunson, but I think the thinking would be that he would help with the spacing and that would allow Dinwiddie and Luca to get easier buckets and kind of replace Brunson from that standpoint. I don't know what they expect from Jaden Hardy, but if by some miracle he's a contributor this year, uh, you know, he'd have a lot of space too. I think Bogdanovich, they just want to, get as many players as possible who are spacers for Luca because the results are pretty obvious. You put a guy on the floor who can set screens and you get guys on the floor who can knock down open shots like Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, Tim Hardaway Jr., maybe Boyan Bogdanovich. Good things will happen. So I think that was also the big prevailing thought in them getting Christian Wood is he can kind of be that hybrid center. He can set picks. He can shoot really well. So I think from an offensive standpoint, you know, Igor Kokoshov's offense obviously didn't work last year. They kind of punted it after 25 games. They're running this free-flow offense, if you will, where they're essentially running one or two plays or one or two sets over and over again, getting the different result out of it where, you know, the big sets a high pick and roll or pick and fade, and they kind of just go from there. So... Uh, I would say that Bogdanovich would just help with the spacing. You know, he's obviously a talented scorer when he needs to be, and he's not going to be uh, forced defensively. So if the Mavericks can pick him up for cheap, maybe for Powell plus another matching contract and salary like Frank Nielakina, uh, I think that would be appealing for the Mavericks. And I think for the Jazz, they're, 
tanking and I'm not a big draft guy, but you know, there's a seven, three unicorn, a legit unicorn from France and everybody is going to be tanking super hard for him. And I think, uh, I think if you're a team that's on the downward trajectory, you have to do everything you can to get him. Yeah. I mean, Victor Wenbanyama is obviously the guy that you're referring to and based on what the Spurs have done in the last week, uh, trading DeJounte Murray for that, you know, trove of picks. I mean, and now the Jazz got a, their own haul of picks from from Minnesota. Uh, certainly seems like the race at the bottom may be as competitive as ever uh, this year to try and land, you know, Wenbanyama. So, and, uh, I, and I don't yeah. even know what the Mavericks have to give up for Bogdanovich from a pick standpoint. I think they'd probably give up a couple seconds. I think the incentive for the Jazz would be to clear future money and tank harder. Yeah, and, and Bogdanovich, I believe, is in the last year of his uh, four-year contract that he signed back in 2019 uh, when he was a free agent. And, and I think a lot of us wanted the Maps to sign him then. Uh, I mean, he's 33 years old, so he's obviously not like a long-term fit, I don't think. But uh, for a year, he's certainly uh, someone that can fill the role of a guy who can give you uh, 16, 17 points per game uh, and shoot the three at a high level. Uh, so... I think that's a, a logical a logical wing that the Mavericks could acquire. Um, you know, today there was waves made on on Mavs Twitter when uh, people saw Reggie Bullock's Instagram story, and uh, it's my understanding that he lives in Atlanta in the off season and uh, was with I think two of his friends or something like that, or at least he claims they're his friends, and so uh, they took pictures with him and posted with the caption something along the effect of like future sixer um and i think someone else said that reggie bullock said that he's sliding through philly next uh and so reggie bullock reposted those on his instagram story and you know kind of set Mavs twitter into a frenzy uh they were starting to think like oh is he going to get traded for tybull are they going to try and get tobias harris uh it was interesting to see but personally i just think that Reggie Bullock reposted those stories without even looking at them uh, or looking at the caption. Uh, and I, I don't think there's any trade or anything imminent, but who knows? Who among us hasn't posted something dumb on social media? I certainly have. <laughs> Isn't that right? Mav's tweet room. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of, we have a lot of, uh, you know, tweets like that, you know, has Mav's tweet room, Mav's clout room. So Definitely know how it's like. Yeah, I mean, I don't really put a lot into the Bullock, you know, posts. I think, uh, you know, if we are talking about wings, I think the Mavericks are a logical fit for Tobias Harris, but I don't know how the money is going to work. And the James Harden contract is still not figured out. So who knows? Maybe that's the next big domino to fall, James, Harden, James Harden's contract. But I don't know. I think uh, I think social media posts are not, equating to trades in this day and age, unfortunately, because it'd be really cool if I could post on Instagram and said, Katie's going to Dallas, LeBron's going to Dallas, Jokic is going to Dallas, because then it'd be easy to win championships. But um, yeah, I think that he just posted his friend's story because he saw it on there. I mean, hey, I can't imagine what it's like to be a celebrity or an athlete. I'm sure he has hundreds of requests and 
he just saw he was tagged and it was his guy, so he reposted it. I mean, I, I don't put a lot of uh, effort into Instagram, so maybe he shouldn't. I don't know. But uh, I would say realistically, the Mavericks are probably going to get Tobias Harris out of it in a bigger trade. If something were to happen, it'd be like Tim Hardaway Jr. and Reggie Bullock for Tobias Harris and Matisse Stiebel. But I'm totally just spitballing here. Trying to yeah. turn Instagram into a trade. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely don't think that there was anything to it. Um, I mean, if there was, then obviously Reggie Bullock didn't do a good job of being subtle. But uh, I, I don't think that if you're the Mavericks, it makes a ton of sense to trade Bullock unless you have a very specific deal lined up that gives you a clear upgrade. Um, I don't think that you could trade Reggie Bullock for Matisse Tybel unless your primary objective is to get younger. Um, because obviously Reggie Bullock, the thing about him is he's a workhorse. Uh, he's a great role player, um, and he's on a really good contract for his production level. So it doesn't make sense for the Mavericks to just dump him uh, to another team unless they're getting a clear upgrade. Or like you uh, suggested we were talking before this, that uh, they think that that he's done with whatever, you know, injuries that, that he's, you know. Suffering. Yeah, I mean, I will expand more on that. So – in the past, he's had back injuries. If you watched him at the beginning of the season, he didn't have the lift that he had on his shots when he was in New York Nick. If you remember, uh, I believe it was uh, Nick from Locked On Mavs. He asked Kid, hey, why is Reggie Bullock not playing more than 30 minutes a game earlier in the season? And Kid basically equated it to, oh, we're still finding our rotations, but I don't know. Maybe the conspiracy theorists and me for random things like this. Hey, he was dealing with a undisclosed injury, like a back injury, and that's the reason he was on a minutes restriction. So I think uh, maybe the Mavericks know his injury history and Casey Smith is going to determine that they need to move him. But I think, like you said, unless there's a clear upgrade, they wouldn't trade him. But I will note that the Sixers seem to be shopping Tobias Harris pretty hard. He would fill a lot of the Mavericks scoring challenges. Reggie Bullock would probably fit very well next to James Harden, Joel Embiid, and Tyrese Maxey. So I, I see the logical fit there. But once again, I am trying to turn an Instagram post into a trade. So let's move on to the next topic before we go down a bad uh, rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, I like Tobias Harris's fit on the Mavericks, and I've liked him for a while, so... If that happens, that would be great. But I think at this point, it's we're reading too hard into it. But uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about quickly, and this is probably the last topic I got, is just that uh, <laughs> to much to our disappointment, uh, the Mavericks once again missed out on Goran Dragic for what seems like the millionth time, um, despite it looking very likely to happen at various points. And I think at, at this point, uh, I'm not sure if Goran Dragic will ever be a Mav. But... I think that was kind of the final nail in the coffin for a lot of Mavs fans who have been pretty restless this offseason, whether or not we agree with them or not. Um, one, what was your reaction to seeing Dragic sign with the Chicago Bulls? And two, do you think the Mavericks would be wise or would be looking to add you know, another ball handler off the bench? They need another ball handler. I think if you have outrage over them signing Doran Drogic, you're 
right. It's been what, like an annual offseason tradition of us not getting him in free agency. It's really annoying. But, uh, you know, he and Bill Duffy have the same agent. So I think Bill Duffy would get a realistic gauge from the Mavericks what his playing time would be like. And who knows, maybe he chose playing time in Chicago versus Dallas because I think, uh, you know, he's probably going to get more opportunity than Colby White would get in Chicago. So, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, uh, yeah, the Mavericks need another ball handler. It's very clear. Uh, sneaky signing I wanted him to get was Raul Nato, but he went to the Cavs. The Cavs. So, uh, unfortunately, that won't be happening. I don't really know what they could do. I mean, maybe they can expand the Utah trade that I think that they're going to do and come away with Jordan Clarkson or Mike Conley. But they need to do something because right now they have two and a half ball handlers. And when I say that, they have Luca, they have Spencer Dinwiddie. And if Josh Green ever learned how to be a consistent jump shooter, he could be that third playmaker with his passing ability. He just unfortunately, uh, you know, he has so many de- shooting deficiencies that it's very difficult for him to be a playmaking threat when you can play so far off of him. So I would say right now they have two and a half playmakers. I'm not very confident in Jaden Hardy. I don't think anybody should be. I think he has tantalizing talent, but he's probably a year or two away given how long it's been since he has played a high level of basketball since his junior year of high school with COVID and everything else that happened. So I could be totally wrong, but I think that they're going to get this third ball handler via trade. I just don't know. You know who it's going to be. Could it be Jordan Clarkson? Could it be Mike Conley? Could it be somebody not on our radar? Could it be a total wild card? I mean, could they look at... Uh, obviously, people are really going to hate when I say this. So uh, if you're listening in your car and you have something that you can punch, do not do that. <laughs> and if you're in your office, do not be in, near an area where you can punch something. But uh, even with the allegations and legal troubles he is going through. Rajon Rondo did play under Jason Kidd in Los Angeles. He was a very capable ball handler for the Lakers when they won the championship in the bubble. He was very capable last season for the Cavs. It is not far-fetched for the Mavericks to pursue him as a third ball handler if all their options seemingly crumble if his legal troubles go away. And the legal troubles he's accused of, I think he was accused of pulling a gun or a handgun or assault rifle, something like that on his wife where she filed a restraining order. And that was lifted. Apparently, the situation is resolved. But once again, but like I said, I don't know what the legal troubles are like. And I know the idea of getting Rondo back is sickening. I'm sickened by it, too. I'm just saying, given that Rajon Rondo played for Jason Kidd in Los Angeles, and they just signed Joel McGee, who played for Jason Kidd in Los Angeles. It's not far-fetched for the Mavericks to get him as their third ball handler. All I can say to is, wow. Just wow. No, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, Is Talk Franco actually had a good tweet earlier today where he basically said that... All his tweets are so good. I mean, yeah, he's a great, great Mavs Twitter follow. Uh, 
he had a he had a tweet that basically said that you know the Mavericks rather than following a Luca centric team building approach uh, wherein they they you know just sign all the guys that Luca wants it's more of a Jason Kidd focused team building approach which I thought was a a great observation I mean the JaVale McGee signing is the personification of that I mean Kidd has experience coaching JaVale McGee you know JaVale McGee was teammates with Jared Dudley uh, and so both those guys are very familiar with JaVale's body of work and, and what he brings um, and so I think like whatever signings and acquisitions we see coming next this offseason are going to be in the Jason Kidd Jared Dudley Greg St. Jean you know school of thought so it's going to be guys that can play in that sort of system. Um, so I think that's kind of been the most exciting thing um, of this regime change is that we finally have a different philosophy uh, for team building. It's not what, you know, not what we had been used to in the past, which is another reason why I'm willing to give this front office some time this summer is just that we, we don't know what the next move is because we don't exactly know you know, what types of players that they're looking for. I mean, we have an idea that defense uh, is a very important skill set and the ability to create offense is another uh, skill set that this, uh, this group prioritizes. But um, beyond that, like, is there another player that we're just totally overlooking that, that fits in with this? I mean, I could definitely see it coming via trade. I could also see it coming in the free agency market. I mean, Two guys that come to mind right now are Dennis Schroeder, who is still a free agent. Um, obviously, I think he's probably waiting for the KD situation to resolve, and I feel like he could get more than the minimum, uh, which is what the Mavericks have to offer to free agents at this point. Uh, and then Kemba Walker, of course, who the Mavericks famously thought that they had in 2019, uh, but then when the Boston Celtics created the cap space, he ended up going there, uh, ended up working for the better but I think, you know, he's an Excel sports client. Uh, obviously, Jason Kidd is an Excel sports client along with Dwight Powell. So there's a lot of familiarity there. And I think that could certainly be an option as the other guard, um, you know, if, if push comes to shove. Uh, so I don't know. Um, I'm looking, looking forward to seeing what they do for this third guard role because, you know, right now, I don't expect Jaden Hardy to contribute this year. I mean, I'm pretty high on his, uh, his potential, but in year one, it's, it's, it's a total crapshoot as to whether young guys can, can contribute consistently. And I just don't think that it's wise to rely on a rookie point guard when you're a team trying to compete uh, for a championship. Uh, and then also like, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie's we know is going to be a very capable backup point guard to Luca, but uh, is he going to start? Is Tim Hardaway Jr. going to start? Uh, that's really going to determine, you know, the bench depth. I mean, if, if Dinwiddie starts, then there's really not another point guard besides Frank Nilakina and Jaden Hardy uh, off the bench. And I do think that you can do better if you're the Mavericks. So that remains to be seen. And even if Tim Hardaway Jr. starts, I think you still then need another scorer off the bench uh, to sort of avoid the issues that you had this past year in the playoffs with depth and not enough scoring off the bench. So uh, we'll have to see, but in addition to a wing, I think uh, another point guard or, or ball handler uh, is something that the Mavericks do need to uh, acquire. Yeah. And I think if you look at their roster, uh, so last year we saw Dinwiddie sat out a good amount of back-to-backs. I don't know if that's going to be a, thing the Mavericks do again this year maybe they should maybe they shouldn't 
But if you look at the roster, if Luca misses any time, if Dinwiddie misses any time, if both miss any time, they would really struggle competing in games. So I would say they definitely need to add a third ball handler. They definitely need to add another score. I would say uh, Christian would probably their number two option right now, but he's not going to be your number two option on a title winning team. And I really hope that what I said is a soundbite of me being wrong and then winning the title, but I'm pretty certain that uh, he's not that. I think he's, you know, a good number three or number four option, but uh, I think the Mavericks are probably trying to kill two birds with one stone, but unfortunately it's going to be difficult to find a wing who checks all the boxes unless you get a superstar or star level player in terms of ball handler as well as a score. So I think that, you know, they upgrade the wing position via trade and then they uh, do something via free agency uh, to address the point guard situation. I know that Dennis Schroeder and Dirk don't have a okay relationship at best, so I wouldn't count on him even being interested in playing here. Additionally, looking at how badly he played for the Lakers when Jason Kidd was there. So I would say probably eliminate Schroeder from your checklist. Kemba's an interesting case. I think that uh, people around the NBA think he didn't get a fair shot with the Knicks last year. He's a free agent, Excel Sports client. He's a part of the almost Mavs Hall of Fame, as he almost signed here in 2019. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, as I said earlier, you know, maybe they can pick up Jordan Clarkson or Mike Conley via trade if the Raptors somehow trade for KD and the Jazz aren't high on uh, Gary Trent Jr., for example. I know he's not a point guard, but he's another, you know, Tim Hardaway type guy who can create his own shot off the dribble, but don't expect him to pass. Maybe the Mavericks could try to get him. But uh, we're essentially just waiting for dominoes to fall. Yeah, we are. And, you know, I think there's so many different options, despite – what it, it appears right now. I mean, so many different options that, that are out there, be it by trade or, or free agency. Uh, it's just really hard to predict right now what, what's going to happen, one, with KD, and then two, what's going to happen in the aftermath of that. Um, so I've sort of taken a backseat now in terms of obsessing over the offseason just because it's a waste of time right now. Uh, you know, like I said, I mean, I hope that the KD situation resolves itself sooner than later, but I think we're in for a long offseason uh, with that. And that's really going to dictate the rest of the league's moves as well. So um, if you're a Mavs fan, I would say buckle up in a different sense because you're going to be in your seat for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Donnie. Um, Could never escape. Yeah. Me. I think uh, if you're looking for something to happen in the next week or so, it's going to be tough. I think it's the August is probably going to be your time when things are going to be moving. Also, I will say that the summer league in Vegas is when GMs start talking yeah. a lot too. Yeah, I expect things so, to pick up after summer league. That's what I've been saying too. So we could see things pick. We could see things pick up at summer league or after summer league, but I would say. Uh, August is more realistic if you're looking for instant gratification. 
I don't know what to say. Maybe go boot up NBA 2K or play around with the NBA trade machine. But um, I think this is going to be a long, frustrating offseason if you're a Mavericks fan. I know I'm already frustrated because A, they haven't hasn't gone the way they wanted. And B, it seems like we're going to have to wait for things to happen. Like we're going to be sitting there. Hopefully not, but, you know, maybe as late as Labor Day, saying what are the Mavericks going to do? So, um, you know, it's uh, not a position you want to be in, but I think after the Western Conference final season they had and trading for Christian Wood the way they did and everything, you know, you have things in a positive light there, but obviously losing Jalen Brunson the way they did and, probably overpaying for Javel McGee has left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. And then the cherry on top is Goran Drogic for the 463rd time. We actually counted each time that that happened. Yeah, we we counted each, each almost time he should have signed with the Mavericks. He didn't sign with the Mavericks. And, you know, this time it really felt like he was locked to sign with the Mavericks and, he, they teased us before free agency, and now he is a Chicago Bull. So, I don't know. If you're feeling frustrated, that's total okay feeling. But don't feel hopeless. We still have a top five player who's under the age of 25, and I think one of the most future-thinking GMs and Nico Harrison. And Jason Kidd is obviously a terrific head coach. We just got to be patient and unfortunately buckle up and that's why you follow maps film room and some people may call it maps tweet room but you know you're not reading podcasts or articles on twitter you're reading tweets so that's why you follow them for good reason yeah i appreciate the plug i mean you know we try to keep everyone up to date uh with what's going on and if i read something interesting i try to just uh you know, lob it up to the timeline in case people miss that too. Uh, but I think it's going to be a, a slow and frustrating few weeks for the Mavericks um, and Mavs fans. And, you know, I think you're totally within your rights to feel frustrated right now. Um, I still have faith in Nico. I, I think he is doing the job that he wants to do right now. I, I don't think he's being meddled with as much as some might think, but again, I don't want to speak too soon and, and only time is going to tell us as to, as to how this offseason um, is graded. But I think if you're a Mavs fan, my advice for you is probably to check out a little bit and just uh, enjoy Jaden Hardy's Summer League MVP campaign starting this Saturday at 3 p.m. as the Mavericks will take on Chicago in the first game of their Summer League run. And Josh Selby won Summer League MVP like 10 plus years ago and Trey Young was horrendous in the summer league. So if Jaden Hardy's horrible in the summer league, just remember it's about as meaningful spring training games in baseball. Guys are playing for themselves. Not a lot of defense is being played. So if Hardy looks great, awesome. If Hardy looks horrible, awesome. As we know from Dennis Smith's 17 awesome missed dunks in the summer league when he played and everybody was (laughs) – labeling him as a rookie of the year favorite. I mean, this stuff really doesn't matter, but it's good to watch if you're not a baseball fan. This is, this is kind of the last 
sports sampling you get before preseason NFL. So, you know, I, I don't know. Just have, just have, just have fun with it. I would say just yeah, watch no. the games. And, you know, if you want to take solace in anything, take solace in the fact we're not watching Tyrell Terry launch 25 foot jumpers as he did last summer and turn the ball over because that was not fun to watch. One of the few times and, my time as a Mavs fan where I've openly just turned the game off because I was like, what am I watching? What is this? No, man. Last year's summer league uh, was one of the most depressing things I have ever watched. It was insufferably bad between Tyrell Terry and, and Nate Hinton. It was God awful. Uh, but, you know, I think we got a much more exciting player this year in, in Jaden Hardy. And, you know, I was thinking about Dennis Smith's summer league the other day. Like he had that one, like, I mean, he had several almost dunks, but he had that one insane dunk. I think it was against Sacramento. And I just wonder how his career would have been different if he had finished that dunk. I am convinced that if he finished that dunk, he would have gone on to be a a star level player. But sadly, that was not the case. Yeah, and then Josh Selby, if you want to look him up, I mean, he won the Summer League MVP. He looked incredible in the Summer League and he's out of the NBA very shortly after. Mentioned by Wale in a in a rap verse too, which was pretty random. I mean, hey, it's uh, anytime you get mentioned by Wale and you're not John Wall, it's I guess it's unfortunate if you're an NBA player like him because you're not uh succeeding, I guess. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, but yeah, just just ten years ago, Josh Selby for the Grizzlies took the league by storm. So. As you won MVP. But yeah, like I said, for summer league, just look at it like spring training, baseball, or preseason football. Don't put a lot into it. At the end of the day, there's not a lot of coaching going on. There's not a lot of sets or plays. Guys are just kind of playing for themselves. It's essentially a televised open gym run, and you can't really put a lot into those, so. Just look for little flashes. I'll just, for me personally, what I'll look for is, you know, this Hardy, does this pacing look good? Other than that, if the shots go in, if they don't go in, I'm okay. Yeah, that, that's what, kind of what I look at too. Um, and, you know, I think Summer League is purely for fun. I think that's really, as a fan, that's what you got to take away from it. It's just fun. It's basketball at its most chaotic form but there's some beauty to that as well. But the thing I always remind myself before every summer league is the old saying that summer league doesn't show you who can play, but it definitely shows you who can't play. And there are a lot of guys who can't play um, based on how they do in summer league. But I think that this year with Jaden Hardy on the roster, it's going to be fun for the Mavericks. Do we know why Josh Green isn't on the summer league roster? So we don't know for certain. But typically, guys are held out of the summer league that are supposed to participate due to trade, unknown injury, or refusal to participate. I would say, who knows, on Josh Green. I know last year a lot of people speculated that he was being traded because he didn't play in the summer league. But I will say, you know, he's not too good for the summer league because Cade Cunningham is playing and Hopefully he only plays like one game because he's probably going to have like 40, 10 and 10 in the one summer league game. He's way too good for the summer league. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. 
I would have hoped that Josh Green could play summer league this year, but there might be another reason why, and we'll find out soon here in the next few weeks. But uh, yeah, Tyler, that's really all I got in this episode. Appreciate your thoughts as always. And uh, love that you're pretty much a regular on the podcast at this point. Yeah. And, you know, um, I would say do not feel as a fan that you have to have a podcast or write articles or do anything to make an impact. Like just, you know, do it in your own space and on your own timeline and on your own time, because there's uh, no shame in firing off tweets or firing off opinions via text. It doesn't make you any less of a fan. You don't have to put shit into an article. This is not English class. So. Yeah. And I am generally of the opinion to not tell people how to be fans. And I think if you're a Mavs fan in any capacity, you are a real fan. So don't ever let anyone tell you. And, and, and when I said English class, I totally meant journalism class. And Jay, come on, man. You got a Mavs film room needs to be converted into the Mavs blog room or you know, whatever you think it should be because, you know, this is just not cutting it, man. I mean, look what you built. There's nobody's following you. Nobody's engaging. Nobody verified is following you and talking with you on a consistent basis. I mean, what are you doing? I don't know what I'm doing, honestly. Um, it's a sad time to be running this account. You know, it's a really sad time. No, I'm just kidding. Appreciate everyone who supports us and listens to us and uh, deals with the good and the bad that comes out of Mavs Film Room. But, you know, we're just a, we're just a humble cottage industry podcasting operation. So we try to do things as regularly as we can. Um, it's not always pretty, but we do our best and we appreciate your support. And I was going to say one more thing, uh, but I forgot. <laughs> I'll say that if you follow Mavs Film Room, you don't have to worry about any strikes, any unions, any <laughs> labor shortages. You know, everybody's just doing this on their own accord. So if, you know, if, if Jay disappears off the face of the earth, then that's because, you know, he's found something better to do with his life. But it's not because he's fighting for higher pay or fighting for better hours because he literally just does this on his own free time. Just like you listen to this on your free time or, Maybe you're working time, but it's it's a mutual great investment here. So, exactly, we're 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 just Mavs fans that that try to try to productively um, watch the Mavs and, and share our thoughts with with the world. But ultimately, this is just all a hobby. And I will say this: that I don't really desire to be a journalist or a professional. And I think a lot of times where I have the chance to be in those situations, whether it's being invited to like the Mavs draft party or whatever, I'm not, I, I don't always feel the most comfortable among that crowd, just given, you know, given who we are, but that's okay because we're trying to be, we're trying to be ourselves and not trying to be anything, uh, you know, anything else, not put ourselves in the that's, box. I mean, that's great advice for anything you do in life. Just stay in your own lane, do what you feel comfortable in and don't try to go outside your comfort zone. And if exactly. you see somebody who's in their comfort zone and is not trying to get into your comfort zone, don't tell them to change the way they're doing things. That's not how things work. That's it's not okay. That's my leaving parting thoughts. Yeah. And I think, you know, on, on, on Mavs Twitter, or NBA Twitter, I think it's good. Differences are good because you never want everyone to be doing the same thing the same way. Otherwise, what's the point of that? So, um, that's just uh, the motto that I try to adhere to. So shout out to everyone doing their own thing.
All right. Well, I think that's uh, that's enough for today. Appreciate you as always, Tyler. Good talk. And, you know, I, I think we'll try and do another episode maybe after the Mavs first or second summer league game, but uh, enjoy the chaotic basketball of summer league and enjoy Jaden Hardy's summer league MVP campaign. And hopefully we'll be holding the summer league trophy here at the end of the next uh, 10 days or 12 days. First time since Orlando Summer League when Christian Wood was a Dallas Maverick. And as always in the Summer League, we get to look forward to the sound of squeaky shoes. I love it, man. All right. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Mavs Film Room. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify uh, with the Mavs Film Room podcast. And we'll be back here maybe later this week with another episode. We will see you soon. Go Mavs.